Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hacking the Hustle. This is your host, Benji Sklar, and we're here today with my guest, Joe Cadiff. Joe is someone who is a dear friend of mine for the last eight plus years. He's someone I really look up to who re represents to me someone who understands our con the human mind, consciousness, Buddhism, meditation, yoga, and all of those subjects that all of the things I just said represent. So hello, Joe. Welcome to Hacking the Hustle. Hey, Benji. Thanks for having me. Of course. Just to let you know, anyone listening, we just had a 20-plus minute recording, and I forgot to click record. So <laughs> this is literally starting over from scratch. And so, Joe, just to jump back into it, let's start. Tell us about yourself, Joe. What are you up to these days? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I am a teacher of meditation and yoga. And I guess I could start by giving a little bit about my background and how I got into these fields. And the beginning was with you at Amherst College back when our freshman year in 2011 or so. And it was when we uh, began to experiment with psychedelics. And I had my first sort of awakening experience or uh, elevation of consciousness that really totally changed my whole perspective on reality, the purpose of my life. And while it was an amazing experience that brought a lot of love forth and a lot of excitement, it was also very confusing because it was totally tangled up with the college party scene that we were embedded in at the time. And so um, it took me some time to untangle the party scene and the enlightening experience that I'd had with the drugs that I knew on some intuitive level was beyond the drugs. It was it had opened a portal to something that uh, some aspect of my mind that I knew was there independent of the drugs, but the drugs had helped me get there. So it took me several years to to do this untangling work, and it took me down some very um, dark roads. And ultimately, I hit rock bottom around when I was twenty years old, and I had a moment where I reached that day it was my come to Jesus moment where I realized I can't continue down this path. And if I do, I'm either going to end up in prison or I'm going to die. You know, that, that had, that's yeah. what the, the party road had taken me to. And this pursuit of this elevated consciousness through all the wrong means. And so um, after that moment, the next day, I knew I had to do something radical within my own mind. And so I actually went through my dad's office and found an old meditation article in Esquire magazine that I had skimmed the year before. And it was a 15 minute guided breathing meditation. And so I told myself, okay, I'm going to do this meditation for 30 days, no matter what. And then the other commitment I made was that I was going to go to yoga asana classes um, which is, you know, conventional postural yoga that you see at the studios. I'm going to do that for 30 days as well. So I joined a yoga studio and I tore out this page of the Esquire magazine and committed to doing this meditation. And I later learned that meditation was one of the foundational Buddhist 
practices, which is mindfulness breathing. And then, of course, the yoga asana was an aspect of the deeper uh, yoga tradition coming from India. And that month totally changed my life, and I never looked back. And from that point on, I did everything I could to learn as much as possible about the nature of mind, consciousness, Buddhism, yoga, world religion. And it was really such an exciting moment in my life because I feel I felt I'd unlocked this hidden potential in myself that had just been waiting to be unleashed and this inner sense of knowing. So it felt as I learned more and more, it felt less that I was learning things and more that I was remembering things. I was remembering my true nature. I was remembering this light inside me, this good inside me, this boundless love inside me that had always been there, but it had just been covered over by all of this muck of confusion and wandering um, that I'd been going through. And so I rediscovered all the world religions, really beginning with Buddhism and yoga. But as I progressed on these paths, I turned back to my family religions of Judaism and Christianity. And I came to see them in a totally new light. And I'll just tell a story. I, I, had a, I had a dream one night where I was in this forest and I arrived at this tabernacle, this temple in the forest. And outside the temple, there were all of these doors. And on each door, there was a symbol of each of the world religions. So there was a cross, there was a star of David, there was a Buddha image. An Om, an Om um, symbol for Hinduism. And on the doors of Christianity and Judaism, there was graffiti and all of this angry writing in red that I later interpreted as basically my parents' divorce and how they had sort of um, tampered those religions in a way because they, each one wanted me to join their religion. So of course I turned away from both of them. And finally I came around to the Buddhist door and I felt him welcoming me. And so I bowed at the door and then the door opened and I entered the tabernacle. And inside the tabernacle was this orb of radiant light, the most radiant light I'd ever seen. And it, at first it blinded me. And then as I adjusted to the light, I noticed that inside the tabernacle, I could see the backs of all the other doors. And from that time on, I, I just had this inner conviction that all of these religions were leading to this same inner light, inner consciousness, inner ultimate reality. And it became, first of all, my passion to realize definitively that ultimate reality within myself, but also to share with the world that all of these different traditions were leading to the same place. And this was available inside each and every person. So since then, I've, I've dedicated my life basically to uncovering this truth both within my own experience and in a more academic way of studying these various religious traditions and that culminated in my master's that i just completed last year in yoga studies um, where i looked at the history of yoga buddhism and how they relate to other world religions and so now i'm i'm now here trying to begin to teach more on these topics and uh that's where i'm at wow i'm speechless that was incredible i want to know more about the light that you saw in buddhism and and what does that really mean today like how does that translate into the day-to-day -day lives of us 
people working, hustling, trying to build, improve ourselves? How can we integrate this light into improving our quality of life? And what does that life mean? That light really mean? Right. Well, I think that to to bring it right down to our daily life and the possibilities for each and every human being's life, I think we can take a, a step into the philosophical and say, you know, what is this light? What does it mean? And what are its philosophical implications? And my answer to that is, fundamentally, this light is not other than you. And it's within you. It is you. You're one with it. And yet, we have these veils over our eyes, our metaphorical eyes, that don't allow us to see this inner nature. And this inner nature is boundless, infinite potential, infinite intelligence, infinite love, and totally fearless and radiantly compassionate. It's the all good, it's the alpha and the omega. And so if we can tap into that and realize that it's our true nature, that we're not separate from it, and that all of the distortions that come up in our mind that tell us we're not good enough or we can't do this or it'll be too hard or I have to compete with everyone else because there's not a spot for me at the table because there's only a limited amount of resources and I need to get it. All of those are just distortions that are veiling this boundless nature. And when we tap into this boundless nature, then there's enough for everyone, for us. There's abundance. There's uh, infinite potentiality. And we can then, if we tap into that place, we can manifest anything we want from it. But of course, the catch is when we tap into that place, what we're going to want to manifest, what we're going to want to create in our life and the world is going to come from a place of total goodness, total love, and a deep, deep intelligence. And so it's a, it's a creation that will be the best for everyone involved, yourself and all beings. So now, of course, the question is, how do we do that, right? <laughs> yeah, so that was fascinating. So like, I'm thinking, for me... I feel like I'm stuck on the same treadmill that most other Americans are stuck on, which is I will be happy when I'm rich. I will be happy when I have my own house. I'll be happy when I have kids and I'm married and I will be happy when dot, dot, dot. And it's not really focusing on today and trying to be happy today. So how, what would you recommend to me and to those listening that feel the same that I do of, neglecting our true happiness and neglecting really looking at ourselves in the mirror and asking the question, how can you be happy today? Mm -hmm. Well, this is, this is the radical discovery of the mystics, contemplatives and meditators of, of history and of the present day. And that discovery is that the deepest bliss, contentment and fulfillment is not outside you and it's present right here and right now in your own being, in the experience of being. And so we discover through that, that happiness, fulfillment is fundamentally an inside game. And I, and I, and I mean that in three ways. One, if you begin to meditate and begin to connect with your heart and calm your mind, and get out of the sort of obsessive compulsive thinking 
disorder that we are all victims of, and you settle into the present moment, maybe even the first time you do it, you have the potential to experience a sense of stillness, well-being, fulfillment, and love that you've never experienced before. And of course, if you continue with the practice, that will just deepen and deepen and deepen until you sit down or in every moment you're feeling that connectivity. And where does that bliss come from? That bliss comes from a profound connection to your true nature, to your source, to God, to the infinite intelligence, consciousness of the universe. We, we call it by many names, but it's that connection of the apparent individual with the whole. So that's the first, that's the first way in which this pursuit of happiness is fundamentally an inner game. And then the second is, if we think about it, all those things you talked about, you know, I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I get the house, when I get the, whenever, whatever it is, it's not actually in the house where the happiness lies. It's the feeling the house will give you. You'll get the house and then you'll feel a certain way. You'll take a bite of the chocolate bar and then you'll feel a certain way, right? So it's actually not in the external object. And according to the mystics, every experience of that satisfaction that we get when a desire is fulfilled, whether it's the big promotion, the big house, wherever it is you want it, or just the bite of the chocolate, that moment of fulfillment is actually a facsimile of the experience of oneness with the divine. It's a moment where we draw, our awareness drops for a second into its own ground, and, we, and for a moment, we're free of desire, and we experience that infinite bliss. And then, of course, the next desire comes up, and we continue on the treadmill, unless we have that meditative training to stay in that feeling. So and then the final way that I would think of it as, an, as this pursuit of happiness as an inner game is that the inner well-being and happiness actually then leads to the outer manifestation of what we want. At least that's what I believe. And what I mean by that is we typically look at the outside determining the inside. In other words, I'll be happy when these outer circumstances take place, right? Or I'll do, I'll work out more when I have more time or whatever it might be. And I think when we take the meditative approach, we fundamentally switch that and we say the inner is determining the outer. And we create the outer based on first the renewal and the reconfiguration of our inner architecture. And so, for example, to give a simple example, would be saying, okay, someone might say the world is full of angry people, competition, uh, backstabbing, and people can't be trusted. You have that belief. And you go out in the world and all you'll see is people backstabbing, competition, and all of these things you preconditioned your mind to see. On the other hand, if you sit that morning in meditation and you connect with the goodness of all beings and the goodness of reality and the fact that the world and reality is going to rise up to meet you every day in a way that supports you and fulfills all of your desires and that you're inseparable from the ultimate source, God, the universe, whatever, that is always supporting you and loving you and flowing through you, 
you're probably going to have a different experience walking to the subway. So those, that's a little bit of, of how I would say this pursuit of happiness needs to be fundamentally turned on its head and begin mm-hmm. with the inside, move to the outside. Interesting. I, I want to ask you, what do you say to the haters, the people who are rolling their eyes right now thinking this guy is talking out of his ass. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to go watch football and drink a beer. And they're like so far away from where your mind is at and where you're operating. How can you not say, oh, they'll never understand, but rather actually try and bring them closer to where your viewpoint is? Well, you know, for example, in, in, in the Buddha's original teachings, there was a phrase that he used many times, which was come and see. And what he meant by that was not come and listen, you know, come and hear what I have to say and, you know, see, see if it makes sense or um, think about it intellectually a bunch. He said, come and see as in come and do the practice and see what your experience is. And so what I would say to somebody is, Look, if you're happy and you think and, and, and you feel, you know, your life is exactly how you want it to be and you don't need any of this, then I say, go, go forth, my son, do it, rock on. But if there is something more that you want and there is a deeper level of satisfaction that you're looking for, then the only way to know if these things are true is to actually put them into practice. The way I did in that, that first month that I did these practices, I didn't read a philosophical book but for those 30 days. I did two fundamentally um, embodied practices, watching my breath for 15 minutes a day, or actually twice a day for 15 minutes, and then doing a yoga asana class. And the experience, the lived experience that I gained from those practices convinced me of the validity of the practices. And so then I carried on and looked into the philosophy and the history and went deeper into the practices. But if I had done those 30 days and I hadn't felt anything, then I would have tossed it aside. Mm-hmm. And so I always say that to people is, you know, put it into practice and see what happens. Mm-hmm. That's great. So talking about the hustle, hacking the hustle, the hustle. how can, if I want to improve my quality of life and find this enlightenment and find my inner peace, how can I actually do that day to day? What are the things that I can do? from 7 to 9 a.m. or 9 to 11 p.m. outside of the other hustles that I have going on in my life where Mm -hmm. I can find this extra sense of consciousness of this purpose. Um, Okay, yeah. So, you know, what's become very popularized these days is, you know, you ask a question like that and I give you a technique. And I say, okay, you know, Benji, um, what you got to do is you got to do 15 minutes of mindfulness of breathing every morning, or you got to do 15 minutes of um, gratitude meditation every morning, right? I get like kind of like a little prescription. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I will, I'll offer that in a second, but there's also a deeper element here. And that's sort of a more of a deeply personal and philosophical question, which is 
really taking the time out and planning. If you, if you say, oh, I don't have time for this, then making the time for it, which is planning to give yourself the time to examine your life and what you want and the methods you'll need to employ to get where you want to be. And so the way I look at spiritual practice is that you have basically three fundamental areas of training. The first is life vision. What is your vision of your life? Why are you here on this planet? Why are you conscious? What does it mean to be conscious? What is the meaning of a meaningful life? Uh, what would be the greatest thing that you could do in this life? If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do for the world? What would you do for yourself? And this brings you into a difficult area, which isn't an easy fix because it requires you to ask hard questions that require then thinking and some research perhaps. What is the nature of consciousness? Does consciousness continue after death? What is the nature of reality? Is the world really out there in the way that I think it is? Or is it more the way quantum mechanics is talking about it now? And it's more generated by my own mind. These are deep, deep questions. But if we pursue these questions and we come to some answer, that answer might deeply change the way we even look at the world and the particular life vision that we would come up with. So I'll just say that's an important area to look at, and, but that's each person's own journey. And if you don't take the journey, then you won't know. And it's a question of truth. It's like, if we're, if we're satisfied with not knowing or confusion, then we won't take that journey of exploration into the nature of reality. But if we have some desire within us to know what is true, what is the nature of my mind? What is the nature of consciousness? Why am I here? Where do I go after this life? Do I go somewhere after this life? Or is it termination after death? If we pursue that, that line of inquiry, it could be a very profound experience. Now, that's a big project, and everyone has to take that at their own time. But the project that can be done right now is the two, two aspects of meditation. And one is the attentional training, which is just going to make your life better in every single way. So that's like mindfulness of breathing, anything that is using a meditation object and you're training your attention to focus on that object in a sustained fashion. And that's going to bring about um, a sense of well-being. It's going to bring about, you know, more in sort of the corporate sense of mindfulness, it'll bring about more productivity because you'll have more mental resilience. And then the other aspect of meditation would be the examination of your own mind, looking into the nature of your own mind. So to give a couple practices that can be done, and these would be the, the quick, quick uh, espresso practices <laughs> for every, everyday life. Okay, so the mystics of history tell us that we're one with this divine love, this divine intelligence, this infinite consciousness, right? So we can either take the time to find out if, they're, if they were right, which would take years of exploration, meditation, study, examining the nature of reality, all of those things, which I encourage. Or 
if you, if you hear what they say, Benji, you are one with God. God is not out there. God's not somewhere else. He's behind your eyes. He's in your own being. And he radiates through you in every moment, every day. And you have boundless potential and you can accomplish anything you want if you come from that place of knowing and love and connectivity to the source. And if you're like, hey, that sounds pretty good to me. One amazing practice that you can do is just connecting with that every single day and grounding in that knowing and that knowledge every single day before you walk out into the world. And then when you do walk out into the world, live from that place. So when the, when the thought comes up of, oh, this is, things are so, uh, such, a, such a hustle out here, such competition, you say, wait, no. I am totally connected to the source of ultimate goodness, love, and intelligence. And this is all happening for me to teach me lessons, to guide me, and to bring me to my ultimate fulfillment. And I'm here to reach that highest potential for myself and to bring and uplift every other being that I come in contact with. How's that day gonna go? Wow. But, but that's a practice, to bring that mindfulness every day back to that truth. I that's rarely a- get emotional, and the last few minutes I've been emotional listening to what you're saying. It's like, it's like making me think about what, it, am I God? If I saw myself from that perspective of going out into the world thinking that I'm omnipotent, uh, nothing can stop me, that I, I, am, I can be who I want to be, I, I, I can't imagine what it would do for my life. I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off earlier. No, 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 no go, go ahead. So... If you, Joe, could accomplish whatever you wanted to accomplish, I don't know how you phrased it earlier, if if there was nothing that could limit you, what would be your ultimate goal? Mine would be probably solving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And compared to you now, I feel like that's so tangible, so small, arguably. It's not at a higher level in regards to the mental state of people. So how would you, what would you do, Joe, if you could accomplish your wildest dreams? Well, um, for me, and again, this is, this is personal, and I think everybody, of course, has to ask this themselves, and for every person, it'll be a different answer, but I, I have given this some thought for many years now, and as I sit here today, my my aspiration for my life is to fully break through all of these limiting patterns, all of these obscurations of my mind to a place of constant and total knowing of this absolute reality that I'm talking about. People have given it the name enlightenment, awakening. That's my goal. And it's taken of course, you know, you say that and, and it can, it can um, trigger a chuckle of like, Haha, yeah, you want to attain enlightenment, what's that mean? But I've given it a lot of thought and I have come face to face with those doubts. Of, Is that even possible? Is that a thing? And I'm ultimately at a place now where I say, I believe it is. And I'm committed to reaching that goal. And fundamentally, not just for myself, but for the benefit of all beings. And I believe that 
for each of us coming into our highest potential, whatever the highest potential that we can visualize or we can imagine at this moment, that is the greatest thing we can do for everyone around us. And if each of us are living into that highest potential and taking that seriously, then we illumine the way for every other being in our lives and we radiate that out to every other being. But for each person that could manifest in different ways. So for me, that's my answer, but I'm well aware that for each person, it looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So before I wrap this up, Joe, what are some words of wisdom that you want to share with those listening? What are some advice and recommendations you have from your perspective and your experience? Um, first of all, start a meditation practice, whatever it is, start it. Um, there's many good methods out there. There's many good apps. There's many good teachers start the journey. Second, start a physical practice like yoga or Qigong, something that's going to get your subtle body working. And that's going to something that's not in the realm of, uh, you know, lifting weights is great. I do it myself, but that's a gross physical body workout. Tune into something that's going to get you in touch with your subtle body, Qigong, yoga, that kind of thing. And then finally, take the time to ask the big questions and take the time to go on your exploration of those big questions. And know that that's important and that the time you invest in that will be worth it because when we find truth and live in truth that leads to our ultimate contentment so i encourage people to take that journey in whatever way that they can and whatever way that's available to them. Beautiful. This was incredible, Joe. You are one of a kind. I've never met anyone like you, and I'm confident that you will accomplish your goal of attaining enlightenment. And I really believe that thanks to you, I will be closer to attaining it myself. And the millions, hopefully, of people that you will touch will also feel the same. So I love you very much, Joe. You are such an inspiration to me. And, to I, and I know to those who just listened to this. So thank you very much, Joe. I love you so much. And I wish you the best on your two-month meditation retreat coming up. <laughs> I love you too, Benji. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're doing this podcast. And um, I'm so excited to see what you do on your journey. Thanks, Joe. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening in to this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, please subscribe to Hacking the Hustle. Thank you and peace.